Hello, and welcome to the They Think It's All Over podcast, They Think It's All Corona, with me, Owen Midder. We may not be able to broadcast our live show from the University Radio Bath studio for you at the moment, but we'll still be bringing you updates from the world of football every Tuesday in this new podcast format. This week we reviewed FIFA's decision to push back the traditional June the 30th end to the season to give the leagues around the world the chance to finish their campaigns. But is that possible if the current lockdown continues? Plus, we look at some of the misdemeanours of Premier League players flouting the social distancing rules this week, before taking a look back to a match on this day in 1999 to end the show on a lighter note. You're listening to They Think It's All Over. They think it's all over. It is now. Today I'm joined underneath the sheets in uh, Oldfield Park in Bath uh, with the usual lineup of David Morgan. All right, mate. Uh, Matthew Dawes. You're right, lad. How's it going? And Scott Hyron. Oh, Savaloy. And today on on the phone in we've got Morgan Roberts. How are you doing, Morgan? Very well, thank you, mate. How is everybody? Yeah, I think everyone's holding up well. How's the lockdown been for you so far? Um, frustrating, annoying, tiresome. We really want this to be over now. You know, all of the above, to be honest. But you know, I'm 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 very very lucky in that I'm uh, with my family in South Manchester. Um, I I managed to because I uh, now live in uh, Northwest London. I managed to get out of there before the lockdown happened. So. I am very, very lucky in that respect, but I just want there to be... I just want life to get back to normal, to be honest. Yeah, obviously Morgan's usually our um, resident rugby pundit here at URB, but today, joining us for something a little bit different with our, our regular football show, They Think It's All Over, or as we've liked to call it, They Think It's All Corona, uh, given the current <laughs> situation. Um, so I want to talk first about, um, obviously, the news that FIFA have decided to uh, extend the season indef- indefinitely. Uh, usually, in norm- normal circumstances, FIFA will end the season on the 30th of June, and that tends to be when player contracts run out and then soon the transfer window starts after that. But FIFA has taken the steps in the last few days to actually extend that um, with, with no no deadline. So what, what does that mean for the rest of football, lads? Well, I think it'll bring about several issues for some clubs in terms of if they're extending the transfer window will the players then be paid by their clubs for that extra time and then obviously you've got issues of the next season with it with it potentially going into that but potentially they could just cancel next season or do a sort of half format season to make up for the time and get everything back to back to square one yeah it does seem like the players contracts will be extended beyond the 30th of June um, with the transfer window being um, kept closed but yeah it does raise questions really about how next season will come into play I know Scott you've got some interesting views on that well yeah I think I've explained it last week how I wanted this season to be finished it seemed like the logical thing to happen given how far um, all the clubs and stuff have gone but with the um, the potential with most clubs already I think uh, wanting to give or take 30% off players pay that's at least going to cover um, maybe the odd month or two delay it might be. It could it could maybe be longer, it's hard to say. But if we're already doing uh, 30% cuts now, then the next three months are going to give you an ex- a three months worth of wages, pretty much. So 
Um, I, I I think it's the right move. I think it's good to get this season done and dusted because, like like we all know, we don't know when we will, everyone's going to be able to play football again. Um, if we have to have a half, um, like a half season or something, then so be it. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Dawes? Obviously, we we need to finish this season at some mm. point. With the broadcast revenue needs to come in. I think it was published earlier in the week that the Premier League clubs could face seven hundred and fifty million pounds in losses were they not to finish the season as the likes of Sky and BT would demand their money back. So how is it? how important is it to finish the season? Yeah, it is really important. Um, I think Premier League are sort of doing things differently to compared to other leagues across Europe, really. I think there's a lot of rumours going about that they are desperate to get it done, no matter what. Obviously, there's rumours of the, you know, the, World, the World Cup-style sort of tournament that we've been talking about a few weeks ago where they're just going to get it all done in six weeks in a sort of location which I think is looking more and more likely by the day. Um, it'll also give a much-needed morale boost to the country, I think, actually, just having football back on our screens, you know? I mean, we're thinking of streaming the well, the Belarusian league on the weekend on Bet365, <laughs> so things are getting a bit drastic for us. But I think the, I think the Premier League, they need to. The, the money in the Premier League is obviously so much higher than anywhere else in Europe, especially with the likes of Sky and BT competing, so... I reckon within oh, by the end of June we'll have the Premier League back. I think that's my prediction. I mean, it is something that's been reported. I think by the Athletic that uh, the footballing authorities uh, in the UK have been discussing with the UK government um, to get some sort of football behind closed doors during the summer. Um, we've we've seen in Germany lately that uh, German clubs have actually been allowed to start training Mm -hmm. in small groups, I think up to four or five people in a bid to, in in a couple of weeks' time, getting football back on. So, you know, it could be a potential route out. What what do you think of that? Do you think it will go back to a a full season or are we going to see this World Cup-style tournament? I hope it's the World Cup thing. Um, It gives us so much football to love and enjoy and I think it gets it done, which would be the major issue of sort of, if you do it over the next sort of two or three months whatever it is it gets it done whereas if you're spanning it over the next six months or so you're going to be going into the next season other leagues will be on different timetables what's going to happen with the Champions League it's, it would be a mess so I think the World Cup style tournament is the best way to do it and I think it gives us all to watch gives us a chance to watch some glorious football in the sun You think it's all got to be consistent across all the leagues though because how are they going to do it between the European competition and the domestic competitions. What say we do a World mm-hmm. Cup style, mm-hmm. but say um, the Bundesliga do it differently and they just extend their season? That surely it has to all be aligned. It's difficult to see how that's going to work because otherwise, how are you going to schedule in the European matches and things as well? I mean, don't even think about like finishing that season just yet. We got to think about the next season as well. So it's mm. it's all got to be done accordingly mm. and with very deep thoughts because if one league does one thing and one does the other like it could mess around with the schedule massively mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think, yeah I think UEFA will have some sort of law put in I reckon that each each club will sort, or each, each sort of different league will have to get them done based on whatever they decide so I think consistency is, is obviously correct as you say Hyron because you can't have Bundesliga playing last season we're in the Premier League starting a new season, going to the Champions yeah. League. I mean, it's just a mess. What's going to happen with that? Um, so, yeah, that's a very good point, I think. The UEFA need to, well, we know how useless they are, but they need to actually 
sort something out and actually come out and say something, make a statement. Have they said anything about... Well, I think the one thing they have uh, said is that the the deadline for the Champions League and the Europa League uh, is the 3rd of August. Right. So if we get to that point and there's still no football, then the results for uh, the Champions League and Europa League this year will be voided. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's got big implications for a club like Manchester City. Yep, well, it's... Um I suppose from a Manchester City point of view, obviously we might not be in the competition in the future, but uh, it's won't a, be. but well, yeah, well, yeah <laughs> I mean, be. I mean the court, I mean it, not even the court case will be able to happen now. But um, beside the fact, Manchester City, whoever the winner is, that's a massive amount of money that they'll miss out on for not being able to win the competition, which goes such a long way in terms of bolstering your squad, uh, paying um, player wages. Like was it probably close to a hundred million for winning the Champions League? Yeah, I think so. Certainly in that order. Yeah, so it's it's a massive amount of money to be lost out by um, one of the the clubs remaining in the competition. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts, Morgan. Obviously, coming from a, a rugby background, um, they're m- m- probably more used to this of knockout style competitions you often see in the um, the uh, English Premiership and also in the in the Pro Fourteen. It sort of comes to a knockout style playoff at the end. Uh, do you think something like that could be employed in in the Premier League? So that could we just look at say the top eight and then and play a playoff at this stage? I I think that obviously um, the top eight within uh, the Barclays Premier League is obviously a very competitive one, and especially you know for those because it is a jostling of position. It's a different style of competition in comparison to the Gallagher Premiership and uh, the Pro Fourteen um, as well, of course, because that's a conference-based system, whereas. Um, the Viva Premiership, you do it by the positions and then you have the knockout rounds. Whereas with the Barclays Premier League, as I'm sure you guys are fully aware of, it's really just down to the positioning rather than this knockout phase. So for instance, I forgive me, I don't know this, the current status of the table, but for instance, I know that for a while Manchester United were flirting in and around that fourth, fifth position. And, you know, if there were to be a knockout style competition, would that be in benefit to Manchester United in that respect? If it were to be, you know, a top eight to be played out similar to what um, Buck Super Rugby is for universities and colleges at the minute. One thing that I did think about with you chaps talking was um, you said that uh, normally the season ends on the 30th of June. And if we think about how the, the start of the Barclays Premier League will be in and around about the beginning of August, the biggest question that I have in my mind is uh, player welfare in terms of being able to get you know enough rest more than anything else. Um, because obviously, you know, I mean, I would say this with a natural bit of bias. Um, it's not as physically demanding as rugby can be. However, it is very taxing in terms that, you know, it's a lung-busting sport in which you have to run 100 yards every few seconds, you know, in terms of trying to retain possession or to attack a space or whatever. And I just think that if there were to be an extension of the season, you know, is there going to be a set, a set amount of time in which the football clubs agree with one another and say, right, OK, the players have got to have a minimum three weeks off doing no football whatsoever and then to then have, you know, a couple of weeks in which they can then do their training, building up their new squads and then getting back into the rhythm before then starting off the league again. Yeah, I think on the, on the subject of um, the sort of pre-season time, I did see it somewhere that they potentially would be considering this as the sort of pre-season break and they the sort of last two or three weeks could be considered as their rest. I mean, realistically, they've been at home doing a little bit of light training, as you might do in, in pre-season. 
uh, and then you know they'd be given a couple two two three weeks notice to sort of get their squads back together as the the Bundesliga teams are doing now as I mentioned earlier uh, to come back with it with a season sort of whether it's a tournament or a, a continued season in in June I don't know what your thoughts on that are boys I think potentially that they may have to use this as almost the summer break and then if the season restarts, potentially they could have a little bit of time off before the next season starts. But then they could really work in maybe a slightly longer winter break than they have done this season Mm. to give players a bit more rest to make up for the fact that potentially they will conclude this season and then go straight into the next with minimal rest. I know last week, Scott, you were considering extending this current season now over the the following season so he wouldn't have this problem as, as Morgan was saying there of a delay to 2021-22 because you could just extend 1920 across over 2021. Yeah I think at the end of the day it's so unpredictable what's going to happen in the coming months that it's so hard to predict the 2021 season. You can make the 21-22 season a real aim by saying right let's see what we what happens in this time period let's see what we can do and just basically fill the time because you know that once say we do the euros again in uh, 20 um in 2021 and then go on uh, onto the season from there that's that's almost business as usual and we kind of know that we should expect by a year's time things are going to go back to normal at the very least you'd imagine that football will be normal by then even say if we still can't have mass gatherings maybe football is still behind closed doors but at the very least you can imagine that uh, things will be normal by then um obviously this interim period with is difficult because yeah how do you associate when the players have the rests um but also how do you i, I think it's difficult to have so many games in a row for more, like for the teams because obviously the impacts of injuries and stuff is very easy to get an injury pick up injuries when you play all the time um, the football calendar is already quite relentless for many teams especially those in multiple competitions so uh, there's lots of thought has to be put behind it but I think certainly this is going to be a very much a transitional period between now and the 21-22 season mm. but then one thing I would say is obviously Sky and BT have already signed the deal for the rights for the next season suddenly if they lose a whole season of fixtures if you sort of tipper out the rest of this season over the next over where the next season should be. Yep. You lose all that. They've already signed the contract. The contract's there. Yep. BT and Sky will be suing the clubs again so that it will come back to this issue that we've been talking about for the last few weeks of money. Clubs like Burnley and Brighton probably fold as a result of that. So I think... I don't. I just can't see that being an option. I I think there's that. That's going to be a very. I don't think Sky and BT can be that short-minded though. Given I obviously it's it is business for them, but at the end of the day, if you fill the twenty twenty one season with some sort of interim competition or something, I dare say they'll be able to show the television rights for whatever this could be. It could be renegotiated, because this isn't a problem that any of us could control. This is a problem that just has happened uh, as a result of a pandemic and um, I don't really obviously you can't really write these things in the contract but I think this is something that Sky and BT have got to try to negotiate and uh, try at least make some credibility for themselves because they sued them for that it's pretty it's pretty mental really I think but they've got hundreds of millions of pounds on the line here and they've got you know, paying subscribers who are now not paying and they've got staff to pay and commentators who are on hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they it's, it's their business, you know? Yeah, nego- nego- negotiation is key. I think 
if you can negotiate, okay, it's not going to be like a maybe a thirty-eight game uh, Premier League style, um, but there could still be the number of games. Even if there's half the games, it's not as if all of them are televised anyway. You could make some sort of television deal. Um, you could alter it for the twenty twenty-one season. Uh, and make it work. So you could still televise what needs to be televised for this season. You could do it next season, albeit it could be quite a different format to the competitions. But then start things afresh then for the twenty one twenty two season. But still keeping like that's probably the best way of doing it because I don't. At the end of the day, there's going to be football skipped somewhere unless we don't finish this season. I think one more thing that we was interesting there. You, you mentioned about having all the all the games possibly televised. You know, having mm-hmm. even more games televised, and that was something that in um, the the Premier League and the football authorities' discussions with the UK government in the last few days, that the government actually raised could be uh, a morale boost for for the population. Obviously, pretty much pretty football mad country here in the UK. If we could get football back at least on our screens, if not in front of us. That would be, you know, an amazing boost, wouldn't you think so? Definitely, I think I think you know there's been a lot of bad press at the moment about people going out in parks and stuff. If there's one thing we all know that would make us stay inside in front of the TV, it would be football. <laughs> mm. So if they can bring that back, that might solve half the problem there. Even for rugby as well, like the Gallagher Prem, like you can like if it's a BT, like that's one BT Sport as well, the Gallagher Prem. I'm sure the uh, big rugby fans, especially like yourself, Morgan, uh, would love to see even rugby back as well. The Gallagher Prem, you could do in the same way. Uh, maybe not so much the Pro 14s, but uh, given that's over the three countries or four countries, but uh, certainly yeah. Gallagher Premier well, could do. Well, what I was going to say was was that even though um, FIFA have said that they're going to extend the season indefinitely, I still wouldn't rule out the possibility that they would just you know finalise this season completely. Um, given um, with the recent events that the RFU have done, for instance, to then cancel all uh, all league competition of rugby, which included um, uh, the championship, and they and even though it was still mathematically possible for Newcastle to still be beaten, they took the decision to promote Newcastle back into the Premiership. To me, I still wouldn't rule out the possibility that Liverpool were to be crowned champions of the Premier League and I know that might be a sore spot for a That'd few you boys there but <laughs> I think that they've, they've been the most deserved team this year to win it and I think that of course you know it's subjective with um, money that the players are being uh, given and what have you but in terms of entertaining football they are the most deserving of it so I don't think that that should be ruled out I know this is what FIFA have decided to go with but if it turns out that they can't work out something with the sponsorship deals with the broadcasting ones and with the clubs then they're just going to have to say right well we're just going to have to have this extended break and we'll just declare Liverpool as champions and I don't think they'll care if there was an asterisk next to this title because they were still deserving of it and they only needed I think it was three victories anyway which out of eight games or whatever it was they still would have managed anyway yeah I think it was just two victories in the end two, two, two victories two. yeah very, very, they, could have, they could have won it on the weekend if we had beaten City in the midweek fixture which was the first one to be called off say the weekend like never going to happen weekend. mate <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, the, the, week- the last weekend of the, football the last yeah. weekend of football I think it was the, the Man City game was the first one to be called off and yeah. then it, it, they all followed very quickly afterwards leading up to that weekend and let, let us know what your thoughts are lads on um, the, the FA chairman Greg Clark um, he came out today and said that English football could lose clubs as well as leagues 
And that's a pretty stark statement. You know, he's he's really painting a, a dismal picture there. We we chatted about you yeah, know maybe the right. sort of l- l- lower Premier League clubs could go um, into administration to insolvency, but you know how how have we really under, underestimated the scale here? We're talking about one or two clubs maybe initially, but could we lose scores of clubs in real in reality? Could you say it could create a whole reform of how finances in football are even managed? Like you could say, well, if this is going to cause a massive issue throughout. God knows how many clubs it it could make reforms in how clubs are financed and in terms of the ridiculous I, I money that there is of the leagues you know yeah it, it yeah, could, yeah. It could be losing 20 30 40 clubs here it's uh, it's <laughs> it's I think realistically every every club outside maybe the top 10 in the prem is at high risk of, of folding the top 6 obviously the traditional top 6 are secure but then other clubs you know will be desperate for the the extra income they'd get like for example, Sheffield, they're having a phenomenal season, but they don't have much money at all. So they, they were really banking on getting one of those European spots for the extra money. Mm. And then already we've seen it was five, but now it's four clubs in the Prem have gone into furlough. Not all of those, I feel, actually needed to furlough, but clubs, the ones that did, such as your Bournemouth and Norwich's, they, they are already feeling the strain, or potentially it could just be seen as a measure to slow slow down the inevitable debt that's going to come from this. I think that's putting it lightly, Rod, with the whole, oh, they didn't have to... The fact that Tottenham Hotspur Football Club have furloughed this staff is an absolute disgrace. I'll say it now. Daniel Levy, you know, we say what he want about his business. He's just got no soul or heart. He's a disgrace. Obviously, Liverpool this week coming out and saying that they'll furlough, and then two days later saying, oh, no, we won't now, don't worry. It's all a PR stunt. It's shocking. Obviously, as you said, you know Norwich and Bournemouth, you know they, fam- almost family-run clubs, have hardly got any money. But the likes of Spurs and Liverpool, where they're turning over millions and millions of pounds to be furloughing their staff, relying on government money, is a disgrace. Yeah, it's an interesting one. One other thing that I, sorry to interrupt. So one thing that I had uh, just um, thought of just then was that if um, there is going to be this extended period, and they do decide to extend for this particular season. Maybe, and I'm saying, you know, in a hypothetical scenario, maybe they don't play next season as normal because it would more likely be shorter and crammed in. And they were to then do an extended version of the FA Cup, for instance. I've been watching uh, the English game with my brother on Netflix. It's a fantastic series. It's only six episodes long. um, And it's about um, uh, uh, George Souter, who uh, came from Partick in Glasgow in Scotland to then... Uh, come down to uh, the mill towns, including Blackburn. Really, really great series to watch on Netflix for all football fans in this time where we can't see that much. Not that we're sponsored by Netflix. I think that that could potentially be a style in which um, it could just be a wider extent of the FA Cup um, to then, you know, it would then see more football clubs emerging. It would then, uh, for those that potentially might go into administration, it might then give them a chance for them to get themselves back on their feet um, in terms of finances and the fan space and what have you to then be ready for um, the following season. Yeah, in a very interesting perspective, Morgan. Um, I think just want to move on and chat about some sort of day-to-day things we've seen pop up during during the lockdown. Obviously, a few players flouting the rules, perhaps. Uh, we saw... <laughs> 
Jack Grealish. We might have mentioned it last week. Was it about a week ago now? I can't remember if we put, talked about it on the show. Or I don't if it think was, we did. I, don't think, I think it was coming out maybe that day. Maybe that day or Wednesday last week. Um, Jack Grealish being caught on the roads in a sort of <laughs> drunken rage uh, and then had to very quickly uh, apologise on, on Twitter for his behaviour, flouting the rules of the lockdown. And um, then just yesterday, the day before, we saw Kyle Walker is now being sanctioned for um, having a party around his house. I think it was a bit more than a party. <laughs> I think he basically paid for some women to come over, which is, I think, all we, we can really say on what he did there. Yeah. But either way, it's... And a, his best mate. Yeah, and his best mate was there as well. <laughs> but personally, I think it's it's a disgrace, really, that, you know, the whole country's, you know, taking measures, making sacrifices. And then he's going around thinking that he's sort of above these rules because he's got all this money to spend. Yeah. And I think rightfully so, he's been fined. And I believe Dawsey was saying Gareth Southgate sport in some sanctions for him. It, look, it looks like he will never play for England again, which, if that's if that's true, I mean, it's come out from a source close to Southgate. I think in a few days he probably will come out and say it because it has to be the case. You've got, you've got to be strong on cases like this. You know, it's a national pandemic and the footballers doing something so irresponsible is awful. And I think he should never play for England again. I'm surprised he, he can even get a game for City. I don't know how you feel, Scott, obviously as a City fan. It's, I mean, it's, it's obviously, first of all, disgusting. Um, like, and at the end of the day, I don't think it's just a footballer thing to do because, I mean, you see people going out to parks and stuff as well. Like, the pe- yeah, pe- yeah, people, in it, people in this country are idiots, right? And some, are, and obviously the two players that happen to have done it are both English. Uh, so it's very much the mi- small minority of English people that do it. It's really annoying. Um, but yeah, I mean, he should he should get sanctioned. I mean, it's, it's and the fact that it's obviously he's a big figure in the public eye, even bigger than Jack Grealish, for example. Um, there's got to be some sort of sanction behind that. But it's you got you have to draw a line as well. Um, he's it's not, at the end of it, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's, it is awful. He should be sanctioned uh, heavily for it, uh, and any say um, fines he does get should go straight to. Um, straight to the hospitals and, and things to help the NHS. Uh, very much of what's happened with uh, Jack Grealish. But I think it's it's the oh, it's the fact that they say as well, they, they do all these stay-at-home videos days before as well, they do it, and then they go out and, and do like silly things. Like, it just, it's very hypocritical, it's very stupid, and you, and you just hate to see it really, especially with then the probably about the day after Pep Guardiola, Guardiola's mum passing away as well, like from coronavirus. Mm, very sad. It's it's very sad and it's and it just makes provides a bit of context and like perspective about how serious mm. these kind of things are. So I think from a personal point of view, mm. probably I think Pep Guardiola is going to be fuming. He normally is on these type of issues. Mm. Well, I'd like to lighten the mood now. Uh, last week we had a little chat about our uh, best Premier League 11s from uh, a different country per position and I think we're going to try and do a little challenge every every week to, to see something a bit different this week I, I was having a little scroll through and, and I found an on this day uh, little segment um, about uh, United's uh, home draw against uh, Juventus in 1999 obviously it was, I think it was a semi-final yeah, yeah. and they drew uh, 1-1 in, in en route to uh, doing their, their treble that year and that was that's the 7th of April 1999. I just wondered if you could give us your thoughts on, on the day, Doors. H- how are you feeling? Oh, I mean, 
obviously, you know, I was two years old. <laughs> so obviously, I wasn't exactly. Um... I thought you were at the game. <laughs> at the game. No, oh, it's Spurs fun then. Oh yeah. No, sorry, here we. Yeah. And an England fan. And this is all, all false information. All false information. I mean, the picture of you in the England shirts on your fridge is very. I'll, I'll hold my hands real. up. I was an England fan for the first few years. But I was a young boy. I was a young boy. <laughs> anyway, back to the back to the real matter in hand. Um, <laughs> I think that two-legged tie summed up a lot of things about Manchester United Football Club. Um, it's about Sir Alex Ferguson, about Roy Keane, about these sorts of players. The first leg, obviously, 1-1. One, one. You're going up against Juventus with Zidane. Uh, they were world beaters. You know, Zidane and Inzaghi, a fantastic team. I, I watched the highlights Still earlier. It was, it was Conte who scored the first goal for Juventus. Yeah. Antonio Conte, <laughs> who was the captain of the side, obviously went on to be a Chelsea manager. Yeah, yeah, oh, I was... I mean, Juventus were a powerhouse back then, back when Italian football was in its prime almost, you know, the early, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And obviously we've got the draw at Old Trafford, which, you know, it's not, not a bad result, not a bad result. Uh, but gig, gigs with the was 92nd minute, he got, <laughs> got the equaliser. Hero. I mean, that's all you need to say about gigs. We, you know, as well, some, some people here wouldn't have him in the best ever Premier League team, which is a <laughs> disgrace. But I'd have Bale at left back. Yeah. I would, mate, yeah. Disgrace. But I think... The first leg was world-class, but the second leg, for me, was unbelievable. 2-0 um, down after 10 minutes. Looked down and out, you know, um, until a header from the maestro, Roy Keane, the best captain in Premier League history in my eyes. And then it was the Colin York show, who, for me, is one of the best partnerships in the history of football, you know. Strike partnership, fantastic. And obviously went went on to win the, the treble that season of the Champions League, Premier yeah. League, and and the FA Cup. And obviously, no English team has ever matched that. Yeah, and, and I don't, th- I think, I don't think anyone ever will. Um, I think a lot of talk about Liverpool doing it this year, but they bottled the FA Cup and they bottled the Champions League. It's it's so hard to do. I mean, it really C- is. City came close. Oh come on! They were useless in the Champions League. They lost to Spurs. Come on. <laughs> You know, you know it's very it's, it was obviously unfortunate, but it was like very tight and um, unfo- unfortunately, but the away goals, for example, didn't do us too well. But they are what they are. It's the rules. Tottenham Hotspur. You know, yeah, but at the end of the day, they played in a new stadium as well. Our <laughs> tactics were wrong, but at, at the end of the day, it was what it was, and it? it's always these games can always be tight. Champions League can always be not always be in your favour. Well, what, what do you think about those City fans that go around? Proclaiming they want a treble. <laughs> oh, it's not obviously not the traditional treble, but the fact that we've got two components out of the three, but won a league cup as well. I mean, it's still a very good domestic. I mean, it's the, it's the domestic treble which no one has won. It's, uh, no it's one sort of you won- always put the word domestic in very small font. Fergie yeah. <laughs> no, never cared about the Carling Cup, mate. That's the issue. Yeah, but it's still it's still he could have done it still, so many times. It's still like relative, a triple, mate. Yeah, could have, but didn't at the end of the day. Because um, he didn't care about the Carling Cup. Well, that, that's, 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 that's a bad attitude to have. I think you should you should always try win every trophy. That I mean, you he still can. won eight of the st- eight of the trophies, but you know, yeah, but you shouldn't really care about uh, it. Uh, well, it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, it's a, a brilliant trophy. Another excuse to go to Wembley. Um, I thought, I thought um, you oh yeah, it was a chore. Like, no, 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 we'll not go on to that, right? But um, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, like, it's a great, great achievement. And the fact that Pep's won three of them in a the row is is world class for me. Um, well, you're the best team in the uh, um, by a mile, and you're the only team that doesn't use their kids. Well, we use our kids sometimes, but at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? It's against... still a good competition to win. Um, it's not just a one or two game thing. You have to win. We have to play six games to be able to win the trophy. Six to win the FA Cup, and obviously the league campaign speaks for itself. So, mm. I think it's still a very impressive feat, which no one's done. It's obviously not the treble, fair enough. But at the end of the day, it's it's part of the comparison. It's part of the debate. I think you should have won. You should have won the Champions League, though. 
bottled against Spurs. Well, yeah, Spurs, <laughs> you got the best draw by Mal. Then you'd have played Ajax, nice and easy. And then the Dippers didn't turn up in the final, so that would have been an easy game for you as well. Nip, but yeah. then it comes down to the fact that, for me, Pep Guardiola without Lionel Messi is useless in knockout European ties. If you look at his record, it's actually embarrassing. Well, it didn't do bad against Real Madrid until um, until we complained the second leg. So it's, it's hard to say. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that, 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 that one's left. Uh, it's not concluded. I'm afraid. Well, yeah. the debate continues. Well, the other interesting thing from that um, '99 game was well, you look at the quality of that United side, mm. and you know it, it was the, one of the best sides that the, the English league system has ever seen. The best for doors, I'm, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> We, we've argued, I think, a few weeks ago when we were actually live on air on, on URB mm-hmm. about whether the City side you did the 100 points or this year's Liverpool side were up there. But one of the key components of that United side, of course, is is, is Paul Scholes. And there's often a debate about whether he was the, he's the best English centre midfielder of the Premier League era. And mm-hmm. I don't know what you boys think of that. There's obviously a, a few names you could probably put up there as well. There shouldn't be a debate. It's as simple as that. He is the best English centre midfield to ever play the game, in my opinion. The guy, you can say Gerard Lampard, obviously they're the main two names, but those two can't control a game like Skulls can. I've, I don't think I've ever, he's similar to like Xavi and Yester, Zidane, that sort of calibre of just, if he wants to speed things up, the game gets sped up. If he wants to slow it down, the game gets slowed down. His passing range is unbelievable. Scored some of the best goals you'll ever see. I mean, his volley technique is ridiculous. But unfortunately, because England managers are deluded, <laughs> and put their favourite heroes of Gerald and Lampard ahead of him. England failed throughout the early 2000s when they should have definitely won at least one competition. And the main reason for that was putting skulls at left mid when he should have been, you should have built your team around him. I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I mean, I personally think that Lampard was the best. I think for his all-round game, the fact that his like, his offensive contribution was ridiculous. Like he's what f- fourth highest goal scorer yeah, in the I, Premier League. I, say, that's, yeah. that's a joke. And he played for Swansea, yeah. <laughs> but um, he's he's been an absolute joke, that Frank Lampard, legend at uh, Chelsea, uh, and you can he's he's just got a very like brilliant football brain, I think as well, better than the other two, uh, showing as a manager as well, I think, and I think he will be go on to be a, a brilliant manager also. Um, I I, th- I think he's the best personally. What are your thoughts, Rod? I think coming back to what Dawes said about the England side, the problem was that the manager didn't make a decision. You know, they ultimately, they, they, whichever England manager was in charge, all of them made the decision to try and play all three instead of picking two of them and put it, doing a balanced midfield, which is why that team never succeeded. No, but the, the whole thing with that is they had to have Lampard and Gerrard for some reason. I don't know why. And then, obviously, Skulls was so good, they just chucked him out left mid. For me, <laughs> Skulls had to be the heart of that team. And if he was, you would have won a trophy. You think about the players he's had around that, he's probably had one of the best back fours in football, really, in the time, you know, Terry Ferdinand, Neville Cole, a, a young, hungry Wayne Rooney up front, Beckham on the right mid. If you've got skulls in that midfield, you're sorted. But unfortunately, the likes of Sven Goran Eriksson and idiots like that put skulls on the left <laughs> mid and played Gerald and Lampard instead, which doesn't work. Any, any thoughts, Morgan? Um, well, obviously, you know, I think it's I think it's also about a tournament hoodoo as well for England. Obviously, um, thinking about everyone thinks about 1966 against West Germany, of course, rather than Germany themselves. Um, but I think that you know, it's 
it's obviously a very very difficult thing but and i think it does and there is a lot of combining factors that have to work it i think that gareth southgate really proved that because he because he unquestionably is one of the more successful english managers in more recent times in comparison to um previous ones which have memorable not memorable um you know and and thinking of a very very old tactics of popularist debates and what have you rather than having a gumption and sticking to what you want to do as a manager for uh, the team in terms of how you want to work it so i think that for future tournaments and that kind of thing england really do have to go with of course they have to go with a certain amount of talent out there as well so I, I think you can then have some live wire characters in there like Marcus Rashford for instance I know I'm speaking on a more modern term because my past football knowledge isn't exactly the best but um, I think I think that you know I think that I think the manager was always the problem with England. I don't think it was necessarily the players because if they had the right training and the right temperament and the right messages being broadcast to them, they may have got further in in, in previous tournaments. Whereas with Mr. Scouthgate, obviously things seem to work out for them. And okay, you make your luck along the way as well. Uh, but I think that, for instance, having that first victory on penalties for England for a lot of the side who they they are a little bit experienced but then you know obviously footballers um, um, some of them do um, play for a lot longer than rugby players do um, they will be there for the next World Cup so you know having that experience will be absolutely enormous to them so I think that the manager is more of the question mark rather than the players themselves but this is from my you know very limited knowledge <laughs> in my yeah. um, in terms of my outlook on it as it were well thanks very much for joining us uh, this evening Morgan and uh, thanks to everyone for listening at home uh, we'll be back with you next Tuesday we'll be dropping the podcast on all the usual platforms Spotify Apple Podcasts look out for it It's been They Think It's All Over, and it is now.